For the past several months, we have been in a series at Ethos called Everyday Discipleship. And uh, we started this back in February. We spent kind of our first month um, just kind of talking about what it looks like for us to have like relationship with God, that, that what it looks like for us as kind of individuals to, to walk with God and to hear from God and to worship God and to live for his glory. We spent the next month kind of talking about what it looks like for us to love each other. So this is a very big part, you know, of the Christian journey as we're becoming disciples of Jesus, that it's not just about us and our own walk with God. It's about us doing this together, about caring for each other, about knowing the person you're sitting beside and caring as much about their walk with God as your own. And it's been so fun up until this point. And for the next few months, as we kind of wrap up our, our series in Everyday Discipleship, we're going to be talking about what it looks like for us to, to be about people who don't yet know Jesus. And... Um, we're going to get very practical over the next couple of months. Like, uh, what does it look like to show our, our families and our friends and our neighbors that don't yet know Jesus? How do we show them the goodness and the realness of who God is? We're going to talk about what it looks like to share your faith and, and how to identify people of, of peace, how to, how to go into places and cities and, and to identify people that are willing and receptive to the good news of Jesus. And we're going to talk about all these things, a very practical nature of what it kind of looks like to live on mission, what it looks like to love a city and people who don't yet know Jesus. But before we jump into that, you know, I was kind of thinking this week, we were talking and praying, preparing for this morning, and, and, and instead of just kind of lighting a fire under us and, and just going, hey, let's just go and do it, I, I think it's so important that we, that we answer the question, why? You know, why is it important that, that this life is, is more than just about our connection with God? Like, Jared, if you have an amazing connection with God, that's an, that's an awesome thing. But, but if you're neglecting to care about the world, there's something missing, right? Like, and and we, we know this, that, that if we have the most amazing church, like if we're part of this global, beautiful body of Christ, like, but if it's only about us, we are missing something. You cannot read the teachings of Jesus. You cannot look at the life of Jesus and think that life with God, being a disciple, is all about you and all about the church, that there's this element that, uh, of going and reaching and, and and so this morning, I want us to just talk about why. Why is it important that we care about people? Why is it important that we love people? Why is it important that we do something with God for those that don't yet know Jesus? John chapter 3, for some of you, this might be the most familiar verse in the Bible. For others, this might be the very first time you've read it. And, and I love that we get to come to this text uh, together this morning. Some of you with lots of experience and some none. That's so beautiful. Um, but I love John chapter three, verse 16. And, and I think this answers the why so well for us that think about being a disciple of Jesus. When you think about us, not just being about us in the church, but us being about the world. I love what John chapter three, verse 16 says. It says, for God so loved the world. That's my son Jones. I think he's saying amen. I'm not really sure. But <laughs> for, for God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his one and only son. Listen to these words. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And the verse right after it, verse 17, says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I want to invite you to do something right now. I want to invite you to grab your phones or to grab a piece of paper from uh, the table, grab a pen that's kind of right in front of you. And I want you to, to, to answer this question. You can do this privately. I don't want you talking about this with the people at your table. Um, but I want you to, to think about this question, to, to write down an answer. And um, So here's the question. If God were going to say something to you right now, what do you think God would say to you? 
that if God came in the flesh and he stood right in front of you, God who sees all things and knows all things, what do you think God would say to you? I want to invite you to take a minute to write this down, to type it in your phone, just to think about this. We're not going to share this with anyone else so you can, so you can be real. You don't have to, to just make up some answer. What would God say to you? I remember when I started thinking about this question, I got asked it a couple years ago by my wife, one of her best friends. And uh, I remember just kind of, just let you in on kind of what I wrote down a couple years ago that um, if God were right in front of me, I think this is what he would say to me. This is just kind of my honest, um, unfiltered um, perspective. I think God would say to me, Brandon, I'm I'm disappointed in you. Um, Several years ago when I got first asked this question, I felt like if God was sitting in front of me, he would say, Brandon, you're, you're still so selfish and you're still filled with so much pride and your eyes still tend to wander. And I'm frustrated that, that you haven't let go of these sins yet. Do you even love me? And I don't know what you wrote down. Uh, I don't need to know. Um, but I wonder how many of us kind of deep in our spirits believe that if God were here today right in front of us, his words would just destroy us. How many of us believe that if God were to speak to us this morning that his words would condemn us? And yet what we see God telling us in John 3 is the exact opposite of what we might expect. For God so loved the world. A world that is full of people like you and me. A world where there's hate and injustice and cruelty. A world where there is full of violence and racism and sexism and ageism. A world that is occupied by many who have rebelled against God, who want nothing to do with God. A world that is full of people. A world like you and me. And what does God tell us about his posture towards the world? His feelings toward us? It doesn't say that God so hated the world. It didn't say that God was so disappointed in the world. It doesn't say that God just tolerated the world. What does it say? That God so loved the world. And it doesn't say that God loved the sinful things that we've done, all the terrible things that are happening. It says that he loves us. And my gut is that for a lot of us, maybe every single one of us, I'm not really sure, that that we come into this place and sometimes we just have a very hard time believing that, that that is the posture that God has towards us. And yet, we can know that this is true because of Jesus. 
that the love of God is not just this feeling, it's not just this emotion that just overcomes you. It's, we, we know the love of God because of Jesus. I don't know all of you. Many of you guys don't know me as well. Uh, I like to consider myself a pretty loving person. You can ask my wife, she might tell you differently. But uh, I was kind of thinking about, uh, I'm a pretty loving person and, and I, I love this church a whole lot. Uh, so Courtney and I have kind of got to be a part of Ethos since the very beginning. We've got to see and just meet so many amazing people. And we spend so much time just thinking about this church and thinking about you and praying for you, whether you know it or not. We love this church. But let me say this, if there was ever a situation where you were in trouble, I would never give, I would never substitute one of my kids for you ever. (laughs) That if it was between your harm or my kid's harm, I'm saving my kids every single time. And you know what the scriptures tell us about God is that he loves us so much that he gave us his son. I want to speak into this real quick because what we see about the father here, um, he's not this careless, abusive father with Jesus. And many of you, you have a, a, a father that was this deadbeat man in your life. He was abusive. He was careless. And so you read this and you're going, of course, God would send Jesus because he cares nothing about Jesus. And I want to just suggest that the complete opposite. The scriptures, what they tell us about God, the fathers, he's not this abusive, careless father. It's like, here, you can have Jesus. I don't want him. I don't care about him. No, the exact opposite is true. You see this in Matthew chapter three. You see this in Matthew chapter 17, where literally the father splits the heavens open and audibly crowds that are gathered around Jesus hear the father speak these words over Jesus, that Jesus, you are my son, whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. Now, I've never... um, been preaching a sermon and the, the ruby been ripped open by God and, and, and God speaks, Brandon, you're my son. I'm so proud of you. Um, I, I've also been in the company of some pretty amazing people. I remember uh, being around Francis Chan, like we're not buddies, but like I was in the same room with him as he was preaching one time. Like I, I've been around some amazing people and I've never been in a situation where, where God spoke from heaven and said, Jackson, you're my son whom I love. Like I, I've never experienced this before. And what I want to point out is that there is this deep love, this unsurpassing love that the Father has for Jesus. There's this unique, special love that God the Father has for Jesus the Son. And it wasn't that just the Father kind of twisted Jesus' arm and said, you're going, boy, whether you like it or not. No, you see this in John 10. You see this in Hebrews chapter 12 where Jesus says, no, I lay down my own life. It's my choice. It says, for the joy set before Jesus, I go, man, God so loved the world. Jesus so loved the world. They gave heaven's best for us. So often as Christians, maybe as people who don't yet believe either, what we think about God is that he has given to us Jesus. And we think about him giving us forgiveness of sins. That Jesus essentially is this get out of jail free card. Yet God, in giving us Jesus, has given us so much more than just forgiveness of sins. That he has given us Jesus. And him paying for our sins is a huge and beautiful part of who he is and what he's done, but it's not everything. God is not giving us Jesus like he's this transaction. Okay, you sinned. Okay, let me swipe this card. Let me give you Jesus. Okay, now you're okay. Now you're good to live however you want. No, God gives us Jesus. He gives us life with Jesus. I think about eight years ago, I got married, I'm standing at the altar, my knees were shaking, my hands were shaking. Like if, if you've been in that moment, if you've ever gotten married before, you, you kind of know what you're feeling there. You're so nervous, everyone's looking at you. And I remember my, my bride walks down the aisle with 
her dad, and her dad is just weeping, and he's got his oldest daughter of, of four, like, hanging onto her, his arm, and, and he walks down the aisle, and, and Dave, the guy that did our wedding, he, he looks at my father-in-law, and he says, who gives this woman? Who gives this woman? And, and it was this powerful moment, like, where I got to experience, like, you know, he wasn't just giving me the status. He wasn't just making me a married man so that I can go the rest of my life. And no, he was giving me his, his, his best. He was giving me his oldest daughter. He was giving to me Courtney so that I can know her and love her and interact with her and live with her. And, and this is what he has for us. That the reason the Father has sent Jesus is that you and I could know Jesus so that in this life, we wouldn't just have to endure it, waiting for heaven. Know that in this life, we could enjoy Jesus and walk with Jesus. And here's what I know. That when you and I, when we, when we taste the realness and the goodness of Jesus. When, when Jesus goes from just being a, a, a set of facts or an, an a person that's tucked away in the history books. When, when you and I really experience the goodness and the realness of Jesus. Two things are going to begin to happen in a disciple's life. The first is this, that, that when you've encountered the goodness of Jesus, you will begin to care about the things that he cares about. And the second thing is this, that you will want the world to know Jesus. Right? This is the way that every relationships work, that that when you commit to someone, when you start walking with someone, that, that you start to care about the things that the other one cares about. I think about my wife, and I mean, 12 years ago before I met her, I was a very different person. <laughs> but the longer that I've, I've lived with court, the more that I've gotten to know her, the things that she cares about, the more that I found myself caring about the things that she cares about. It's what happens when, when you love someone, when there is intimacy, when there's care. Court has taught me to be compassionate, to care for people that no one else cares about, to, to be generous. She has a heart that is just the, the biggest heart that I've ever seen that is so other focused. And, and I look at her life and I'm going, man, the, the, the more that I've, I, I care about court, the more that I start to care about the things that she cares about, the more that I start to actually care about people. And as we walk through this life with Jesus, as we walk through this life in relationship with him, if we will keep walking in obedience and in openness to him, he will slowly for some of us and much quicker for others of us, he will help us begin to love the world. He will begin to help us love those that don't yet know him. Now, I've been a follower of Jesus since I was 11 years old. I'm 30 and I've been following Jesus for a long time now. There are so many days where I, I just do not care about people who don't yet know Jesus. I don't say that with pride. I don't say that. In fact, I'm ashamed of that. I just want you to know that as a preacher, as a pastor of one of the churches in Nashville, that there are plenty of days where I do not care about people who don't yet know Jesus. But also know there are so many days where I just find myself um, weeping and heartbroken over people in our city that don't yet know him that I come home after having coffee with people that have walked away from God or who don't yet know God. And you can just talk to my wife about this, that I just come home and it just consumes me. 
And there's something about walking with God. There's something about walking with this real God, not this dead religion, where you begin to care about the things that Jesus cares about. And the things that Jesus cares about is this world, is, is those that, that, that do not yet know him and love him, those who do not yet believe in him. The second thing that happens when you start walking in relationship with Jesus is that you want people to know him. Right? That, that there's something about Jesus that, that you do not want to, to hoard. You don't want to just keep it all to yourself. That you, and, and you don't do this perfectly. You don't do it all day, every day. But, but there is this, this joy that, that bursts out of you when you taste and you experience the goodness of God. And before we start talking strategy about what it looks like to, to, live on sit, to live on mission in whatever city, in whatever neighborhood you find yourself, I think it is so important that we understand the why. That God so loves the world that he would give to us Jesus. And then as we walk with this God, he helps us care about the world too. One of my favorite things about our church, there are a lot of things that I love about this church. One of my favorite things is that um, we are all in different places in our journeys with God, and that's a beautiful thing. Some of you are very far from God. Some of you are very near to God. And the rest of us, we just find ourselves in all different places in between. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next 10 to 15 minutes, and, and I'm done talking. You're welcome. I know you're happy about that. I am too. And, uh, but what I want to invite us to do is is to just identify where you are with Jesus and with the world. I know this is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of you, maybe all of you, and that's okay. Uncomfortable things have this way of stretching us, and there's something about us just kind of stepping out on a limb and, and being courageous and bold that just invites the Spirit of God. So I'll say it like this. I went to the doctor um, earlier this week, I know it's a very responsible thing for me to do. I hadn't been to the, the doctor in a very long time, and I just needed to go and get a checkup. And, and so uh, to kind of get a baseline for, for where I was. And, and so the doctor just kind of walks in and he says, hey, we need to run some tests. Um, just kind of establish where you are. And once we know where you are, then we can figure out where to go from there. And so this morning, I just want to invite you to, to establish a baseline. Just kind of think about where you are with, with Jesus. And to have courage to share that with your table. If you don't know much about us as a church, we are an honest church. We value so much humility and we reward having the courage just to be real, speak where you are. There's something so beautiful about that. You don't have to hide. You don't have to put on a mask. That There's still something so beautiful about coming into a place. And, and, and I'm telling you, we're not going to judge you no matter what you speak across. If someone judges you, come find me. I'll take care of that. Like, that this is a, uh, we are not a, a judgmental place. We are a place that uh, we are, are for sick people. We are sick people that, that come into this place so that the only one who is well can do work on us. So you have nothing to hide. You have nothing to, to run from. Hey, Will, do we have a slide to put up? Can you throw that up on the screen for me real quick? If you can't read that, there's something spiritually wrong with you because there's words up there. <laughs> Just kidding. Is there a slide? What's that? It won't play? Okay. Well, okay, it's not incredibly important. Will's going to try to figure it out. There's something going wrong. The, the enemy is working in all this for sure. Um, but here's what I want to invite you to do, that, that we find ourselves in all different places. And so some of us, we come to this place and you don't believe in Jesus at all. And just have the courage to speak that. Um, 
Just have the courage to sit at your table. I don't believe. And, and if you want to expand on that, if you want to talk about why or how, feel free to do that. This is a no judgment zone. You don't have to pretend. For some of you coming in this place, fantastic. Good work. And, and you know, you're like the, the second point. You go, man, I, I do believe in him, but my view of God has been so, divor- so distorted. And so, you know, if you were to ask me now the, the way that I picture God, the thing that I would, that, that if God were to say something into my life, it is so different than, than what I thought a couple years ago. And some of you come in this place and you're Christians, you've given your life to Jesus, but yet your view of the Father has been so distorted. And, and so as you share that, man, with your tables, just have the courage to, sh- to share that. Some of you, you come into this place and you go, man, I, I do believe in Jesus, but, but I do not love the world. I don't think about anyone else. It is still all about me. And have the courage to say that. And we find ourselves, you don't, this is not an exhaustive list. You don't have to use this, but, but I just want to kind of give us something to work from that, that you would have the courage just to kind of speak where you are. But let's not just leave it at that. I've kind of sensed all week that the, the, the best part of our time together this morning is not going to be me talking. It's, it's going to be us taking our real request and laying them at the feet of Jesus. And so let's pray. Let's have the courage to, to pray with the strangers that you're sitting with for many of you and just say, God, I, I, I hear and I'm here and I believe in Jesus, but I don't, I don't yet love the world. Would you help me to love the world? And I think God will, will meet us in this place. And I think God has something beautiful for us for the next few minutes. And so I invite you right now just to kind of share where you are with Jesus, to share where you are with the world. And then just to spend some time praying. And if this feels weird, uncomfortable, welcome to Ethos. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And so... Uh, I'm going to get back up in about 10 minutes and call us back in. But let's just take the next few minutes. This is why we have them set up in tables so that we can talk and pray. It's not just about one person talking. It's about us talking. And so let's share and pray. And I'll come back up here in a few minutes and lead us into a time of communion. And so let's talk and pray. Love you guys.